again in the new year, but just to kind of give you an update of what's taking place now on the Mississippi River and at Murray Outdoor Store on the south end of Guttenberg under the big walleye. Bob Urban is with me, and uh, I hope you had a happy new year and uh, you're ready to go for 2023. I don't know if we're ready to go for 2023, Ken, but it came. Um, holidays were good. Did you have a good holidays? I did. Yeah, yeah. I got, I'm in, I'm in Florida and, uh, my wife has joined me here. She couldn't make it out because of the storm right before Christmas, but she got here shortly thereafter. And, uh, we're kind of in a nice routine every day that people who stay in Iowa probably don't want to hear about. Yeah. You guys missed out on, uh, we talk about weather every Friday, but it just seemed like this week was the same, the same stuff. You missed out on some ice. You missed out on some snow. You missed out on some rain. We went from really warm to back to kind of temperate weather right now, raining and snowing and sleeting. So some people have ice, some people don't. And actually last night we got the DNR boat ramp open so you can. we talked about fishing out of a boat. We can do that again. I saw from your posting that the ice went out and you went down to the ramp and got it all ready so people can launch their boats yeah there was a gentleman yesterday that i think a couple guys were struggling getting it out and i've kind of got a technique to help with that and get the boat ramp cleared out and so it's safe enough to go and you're not breaking everything out uh january sometimes i've had a couple januaries where if you can get out with the boat you can do really really well walleye fishing so um wanted to help those guys out and anybody that wants to do that and if you can do if you can ice fish and walleye fish in the same day that's always i mean that's a treat for the the outdoorsman it's just a really really fun thing to be able to do both how's the traffic at the store and the uh the professional fishermen like benny who are coming in daily we haven't seen a ton of people this week with like i said the roads were pretty brutal schools were closed a few days this week um, this weekend we're amping up and it's going to be another busy weekend. Uh, fishing was slow last weekend. We didn't have very, a very good bite last weekend. Fish were down there. They were, sh- they were showing up on live scopes and on the electronics we talked about, but just weren't, just weren't hungry enough or, or the pressure in the fronts were coming through goofing them up. So a lot better this week. Ice, everybody's calling about the ice. Is the ice safe? We lucked out up here. We didn't have any issues. And now that stuff is firming back up even south to Highway 30 and stuff. Uh, there's no issues even down there. It sounds like the ice is pretty good down in that area. We got an inch and a half of rain around that corridor, um, but we only got a half, uh, half inch up here where people were concerned if the shorelines were were safe or, or uh, having issues getting on. So they're still getting on Snye McGill, still getting on Bussy. Um, still getting on all the uh, Prairie du Chien areas um, and having more success, more fish. They're just having to sort through a lot of the smaller ones now. Bob, what's the plan for this program uh, for the time between now and uh, active spring fishing? Ken, you and I have talked. Uh, we actually have, we're working a lot here on the store. Um, Beth has retired, so we have the whole store up here. Got a lot going on. We'll have some sports shows coming up. Um, and it's not even that I'm taking some time off from fishing, but we are going to kind of limit the podcast now. Things slow down in February. Um, we won't be doing it every week, but January, February, we'll be doing it. Oh, just, I'd say just look for it on Fridays. Um, you'll, you'll notice that we won't be doing it every Friday now. I'd say once, 
once every three weeks, once a month, we'll go until the spring fish uh, picks up, if that's okay with everybody. And if uh, anybody has ideas on what they want to hear on the show, stop into the store, message us on Facebook, follow us on Facebook, and you can always do that. We're always giving ice conditions on Facebook. We're always doing fishing reports on Facebook, and that's at Murray's Outdoor Store. Well, Bob, I uh, kind of got used to doing this every week, and to keep from going through withdrawal, I am uh, doing uh, a podcast called AgriTalk the Root Years. If I might promote that for a moment, I just posted the first one today, and I'm dipping back into radio shows I did in the 1990s and then linking it to people who were on the show or know about that subject today and drag that forward 25 years. And some of these get rather interesting of what we were talking about then and what we're talking about now. So it's called AgriTalk, the Root Years. And then I'm continuing to do my Better Than Nothing podcast, and we'll pick up a few of those in the next month or so. So I think I'll be okay, Bob, until we get back to full time. Yeah, I think I'll miss it. I'd really like looking forward to it, but uh, just a lot of stuff going on for us at the store, trying to get geared up for next spring, trying to get geared up for selling flowers, selling trees, selling all that that stuff. So that's going to be a new thing for us up here. Um, ice fishing, obviously, stop in. It'll be it'll be a really good ice. We're about mid ice right now, uh, mid season. So should should be really good for the the uh, rest of the year for that. And then it sounds like we'll have a week or two of open water fishing as well. And like I said, if you and I can get together and and get one done every three weeks or something, or if I get get excited or get some people in, I want to share some stories up, I'll give you a call if that's okay with you. That'll work for me. We have half of an interview left. Remember last week we talked about taxidermy. The second half of that was really more on deer and all the things that uh, the young taxidermist over in Dubuque is doing. So uh, I'll add that this show and we'll wrap that up yeah that'll be a good one um deer season's coming to an end to uh about the 10th of january uh fishing license i do want to let everybody know all the fishing and hunting license expire on the 10th and then they do need that uh for 2023 but yeah that'll be a nice little uh finish to the the start of 2023 in deer season and stuff uh having him talk about that Bob Urban, thank you very much. Uh, God bless you and all your employees and your open standard hours all the way so folks can drop by Murray out the store on the south end of Guttenberg, and we'll talk to you later on in January. All right, Ken, I'll wear my coat for you up here. All right, and I'll watch weather recreationally down here. Brandon Post is my guest. He has post-taxidermy on the edge of Dubuque. And uh, from what I hear, your work is extremely good. And for that, you need to get paid. And probably that is a line that people have to cross in realizing that if they're going to get you to do it, they've got to pay for it. And that's a substantial amount and should be. I see a number of deer mounts that they have just uh, done that. They, I think they call it a European mount where they basically boil the head to get everything off of it, and it's just a skull. What do you yeah. call that? It's a Europe, European mount. Yeah, they're getting more and more popular because 
mounts, shoulder mounts are going up in price. I mean, I've had uh, about a 33% increase in from last October to this October in my supplies, and it, it's not going to go down. Um, from what I've seen, I've been doing this for, well, 18 years for the public, 27 years all together, and I've never seen a price decrease in it. Um, Europeans are something that somebody can do at home, you know, themselves, if they want to you know, through picking the meat off or, you know, boil it. And some people have uh, beetles that eat the meat off. I personally, with mounts in my shop, I will not have beetles in here. Um, I'm not taking a chance of having a beetle get into a fresh mount. Uh, even if it's tanned, they can still destroy it. So that's kind of something a lot of people are like, well, that guy's got beetles. Well, you know, good for him, but I'm I'm not taking the chance of, of having that beetle destroy a, uh, a new mount or get in anything. I can, there's guys that'll bicker back and forth, but I can simmer and masquerade a, a European skull just as good as guy with beetles. And it's it's all how you de- degrease them and whiten them pretty much. I mean, it's, there's different processes to it. and But that's a lot of, a lot of guys anymore will do them at home. You know, they'll, they'll uh, shoot the deer after shotgun season, get a couple buddies around and boil them all day and, you know, have a few beers and, and do that my i have four kids um my eight and seven year old are the ones that do all my europeans they love it it's i pull them out of of the pot and set them on the table and what whatever ones they do they get the money for them that's just their that's the way i've done it here for the last couple years my daughter's been out here in the shop since she's born she's eight and uh she loves it and hopefully they can take over the uh the business here someday you know either as full-time like me or part-time you know just as keeping it going but brandon post is my guest he has post taxidermy and uh one other question um i see that uh uh at murray outdoor if you want to uh, bring in a deer hide uh you can get a little bit for it and Bob says he just basically passes them through as a service to people. But why is it that the hides have little value? Yeah, the market, I used to trap uh, back in, old, I think it was all the way through high school, 03, 04, um, probably up to like 2006, 2009, I can't really remember. But And then all of a sudden it just, the market got flooded with uh, hides and then kind of, the activists kind of stepped in and the fur coats and the furs kind of just went to the wayside and, you know, no one wanted to wear or scared to wear furs anymore. And with the deer hides, most of them go to China um, to get made in the gloves or pretty much just gloves and a little bit of wear, um, not so much like furniture or nothing like that or seats or what, but pretty much just deer skin gloves. And they're, they hold up. I wear them, wear them all the time during the winter and they hold up very well but there's one other theory on why that hides are cheap in the u.s and i go back to the livestock industry if you think how many thousand head of cattle are uh butchered uh each day and what you do with those hides and the comment i've had from that industry is that the chemicals that are used to tan hides the epa regulates those chemicals right and really hard for you to utilize them in a manner that meets their approval. And I know that to the point that one of the guys that 
within Des Moines who harvest uh, a cattle just like 30 a week. He said he used to be able to sell the hides for good money. He said then he was almost giving them away. Pretty and much. And got to the point that he had to actually put them in the refuse to, to dump at the appropriate place. And now he has to cut them into one-foot squares before he disposes of them, and he still gets nothing for them. Yep. I have a I have a guy, a professional tannery that I send all my hides to. There's there's other taxidermists out there that there's kits or solutions on uh, you know our spy companies where they do them at in their shops themselves, and uh, it's a newer process where there's not enough years yet to know if that hide's going to last. Is my opinion. The guy that I had uh, professionally tan all my animals has been doing it for 45 years and his methods are tried and true and they they last my biggest thing is, with any mount is if it's for it to last you know lifetime of the customer to make it uh passed down to their grandkids or their kids grandkids you know as, as long as you know it'll be around but the chemicals are getting yeah more stingy he's had to change a few things chemicals a little bit harder to get like they have this brush on tan now where pretty much you put it in a a pickle which draws out uh, all the bad stuff but it's not and then you pull it out of the pickle you neutralize it for a little while and then you brush an oil on it and then leave it sit and it's ready to mount where it's in the olden days they used to do like a dry preserve Uh, it's just like a powder and it would pretty much just suck all the moisture out and some of the bacteria um, and just make it rock hard, and the industry really got away from that because it, the eyes would be real bulgy. Everything would shrink really hard. Everything would crack, and you had to fill everything in. Where once I mount something with my tan or with this guy's tan on this hide, it's where it's going to be. It's not going to move when it goes out the door. I don't have to worry about it at the customer's house. You know, comes back a year later. Hey, this is splitting or this is falling apart. Where I just don't have that problem with my the way I do it. So, Brandon, I have one more question, and that is for those people who want to catch a fish, uh, take pictures of it, and then release it, but they still want to mount. Sure. Are you doing any mounts by which they are uh, a fiberglass medium uh, that's the size roughly of the fish, and then you paint it according to the pictures? Yes. Yep, replica mounts. They're getting more and more popular. Um, some will say that you know, they'll ri- the fiberglass will last forever. My skin mounts last just as long as the fiberglass. I, I go above and beyond, same with my duck mounts, my bird mounts, to get all that fat, all that meat out, pan it the right way, and get all that grease out of a fish, mount it, and either you can go this, the regular fish, or if you can't keep that fish, or just want to let it go for somebody else to catch, uh, replicas are are a really good product now. They've come a long ways in just a few years. Best way to do it, again, is take the picture of that fish. You know, the minute you make up your mind, or if you don't make up your mind right then, still take pictures of the fish. And you can always get done later. Just measure the length of the total length of the fish and the biggest girth around the belly. Uh, the best to have is a cloth tape measure, in, you know, in your boat or in your tackle box to get them accurate measurements. And I can pretty much get just about down to an eighth of an inch with total length and girth in that fish and take some good detailed pictures. I print some pictures out 
I put them in my paint booth and sit down and paint that fish with airbrush paints and probably three quarters of it are with hand done by hand paints and uh, color each scale, you know, exactly what that fish is. What are the uh, major fish that you are mounting, maybe in the reference to the number of each species? Sure. Uh, walleye, um, occasional foggers. It depends on uh, back in, here in Dubuque when we had the slot limit. I was doing a lot of 30-inch uh, walleyes that following year that come out of the river and kind of wish they'd get that back in place for a little bit because a lot of anglers, you know, it's hard sometimes to catch that 30-inch walleye out of the river. A lot of crappies, a lot of bluegills. Now with the ice, there's going to be a lot of ring perch coming in. I've, I've mounted the, it's now the second largest in Iowa. It just got beat here not too long ago out in Okoboji, but the largest ring perch um, record. Yeah, big bluegills. Uh, farm pond bluegills, you know, kids first fish, pretty much anything. Uh, some big, uh, big rainbows. It, uh, some big browns. I've, I've mounted uh, brown trout that come right out of the mouth of, you know, they're in. They caught them in the Mississippi River, but they come right out like the little turkey uh, river, which is pretty neat. You just don't catch too many cold water fish out in Mississippi, but everyone's got a story. Well, Brandon, it's delightful to talk to you and to hear the professional description that you give of your work in taxidermy and your history, uh, and and even that your father started you when you were 10 years old and you started your own kids when they were 7 or 8, which I think is great. So I hope you can keep going, and if folks want to get in touch with you, as I understand it, Post Taxidermy is your Facebook page, P-O-S-E, and then Post Taxidermy at yahoo.com is your email. Sure. Yep, that is it. Yes, I'm always uh, taking on um, new work. Uh, this year's been pretty average, which is good. Um, and, you know, some things take a little bit longer than others. I, I appreciate everybody's patience. I'm here just to do the best that I can do and, and preserve that uh, mount for a lifetime. Thank you very much for talking with us. No problem. Thanks, Ken. Appreciate having me. That's all for this week on How's the Bite. Be sure and subscribe to the podcast so you'll be notified when the next episode comes out. I'm Ken Root. Along with Bob Urban from Murray Outdoor Store in Guttenberg, Iowa, we wish you good hunting and fishing this winter season. Be safe and enjoy this wonderful, beautiful countryside. <laughs>